Welcome and thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Family Perspectives podcast. This podcast is created by the students and faculty in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. This year, our theme has been about ways to improve our relationship IQ. I'm Joanne Anderson. And I'm Sierra Gray, and we are your hosts for today's episode. Today, we are excited to welcome Dory Haas, a head teacher from the Child and Family Studies Lab School here at Brigham Young University. Dory has had a lot of education experience since receiving her bachelor's degree in elementary education with a Japanese minor from Brigham Young University in 1989. Dory taught young children in Japan for two years, then came back to BYU to obtain her early childhood education certificate. Dory completed a master's degree in human development with an emphasis in early childhood and a master's in public administration. Dory continues to teach BYU students and preschool children in the BYU lab school. As part of those responsibilities, she teaches three different courses, which focus on appropriate parenting and teaching practices of young children. She also started a YouTube channel and social media pages called Just Keep Parenting, where she teaches helpful parenting and relationship skills. Thanks so much for being here with us today. You are so welcome. I'm just happy to be here. And I do have to make one correction in that. I didn't ever receive a master's in human development. I just did the, the completed the work for it. Gotcha. So, yeah. But very knowledge, Janet. <laughs> well, we hope so after this many years. <laughs> so Sierra and I got to look through your YouTube channel, and we loved your video series about easy to love, difficult to discipline. Yes, that's one of my favorite books when it comes to parenting. Yes, and that's by Dr. Becky Bailey. She right. has a lot of great literature out there. One of the concepts she talks about is the two-step discipline. Right. Which, for those who may not know, the two-step is a dance where... It's a country dance, Joanne. Oh, a, a country dance. I didn't yes. know the country part. Mm-hmm. So country dance where it goes slow, slow, quick, quick. So those are the steps. Right. And she's applied this principle to discipline. Right. Meaning that there's a slow part and then the quick, pick, quick part. Could you explain a little bit what yes. that is? Yes. So the slow, slow part is... The part where we build relationships, right? We're building relationships with ourselves. We're building relationships with our partner, our spouse, our children, those people that are around us. So we take time. That's the slow, slow part of it. And then the quick, quick part is teaching does not happen in the slow, slow part, right? We're just building relationships. But the quick, quick part is where the teaching happens, right? And conflict is a time for teaching. And so that's got to be quick, quick so that we can get back to the slow, slow, healthy part of it. I love that. I love that focus on the importance of the relationship and then how the relationship grows, even in those small moments. Right. That's awesome. Dory, like Joanne introduced, the first part of the two-step discipline is oriented around building relationships in preparation for conflict. What role does empathy play in this process? Oh, mercy. I really think that every relationship is going to have conflict, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just part of who we are as humans. And so I think we have to prepare ourselves for any event, for class, for work, for whatever. I think we prepare ourselves for conflict as well, right? And so that's what's so beautiful about the slow, slow part is we know that quick, quick is going to come, right? And so we're preparing ourselves and those around us by having a better relationship, by spending time with them, by doing things that we both love, right? And so as we learn how to better love ourselves as well, right, our partners, our friends, our children, then we're preparing for those future conflicts that we know are going to happen. I also believe that empathy is a lot like grace, right? And so I want grace in my life. 
And so I have to give it to others in order for it to be effective or a part of my life, right? And I think that's the same thing with empathy. As I empathize with myself about my eating habits, about my impatience, about sometimes I feel a little ignorant to certain things in life, I'm more attuned to offer that same empathy or grace, if you will, to someone else that may be struggling with that. So as we're kind to ourselves, we're more apt to give that kindness to others. I also think that connection is a big part of that. So as we connect with each other, then I think that empathy is a byproduct of that connection. I love that. And kind of as a follow-up, you work in a preschool every day. And Mm -hmm. so how do you show empathy for kids who maybe maybe they don't want to wear their shoes or maybe they don't want to come inside from recess? What does that look like? Well, I think I've been there. Right. I mean, being a kid was a long time ago for me. But I think that um, as I see it every day, as I see kids struggle with it, I say to them, I totally get it, buddy. There's sometimes I don't like to wear my shoes. In fact, I don't wear my shoes at my house. But that's my choice at my house. But at school, we have to keep each other safe. Right. And so I try to empathize with them, come back and talk about the, the rule or the expectation, if you will, of what's happening here. But I always empathize first. And um, sometimes even if I haven't had that experience, I'm trying to think, I don't know, I'm pretty old. And so maybe I've had a lot of those experiences that children have. But I think saying, you know, I really don't know what it is to feel like that, but this is how I think it might feel, right? So you're still able to talk about it and to reflect back what that child might be feeling. That's awesome. In this concept of slow, slow, there's also a principle called positive intent that you talk about. How does attributing positive intent affect your relationship and the conflict when it comes? Well, back in the day when I was a little younger, I used to call it giving people five minutes of stupidity. (laughs) And so I I think my my understanding of that has grown a little bit more. And Becky Bailey has helped me to do that. But I think that whole concept of, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of calling people jerks when they, you know, cut me off or doing things like that. Because when I go down that rabbit hole, then I tend to wallow in that rabbit hole for a while before I come back up. And so I was listening to a podcast the other day called Magnify, and Jody Moore, the coach, was on there. And she reminded me again that whether it's adults or the children in our life, we choose to attribute positive intent to their behaviors. We also choose to stay above the rabbit hole, right? And so as we're thinking about intent, Most kids don't wake up thinking, what can I do to make my mom mad today? (laughs) Or the kids don't come to school thinking, what can I do to make Miss Story and the teachers upset today? We just don't have that in us necessarily. And so I think that one of the things that, that is important for us to do is to remember they don't mean to make me angry. They don't mean to make me frustrated, right? This is just maybe they've had a bad day. Maybe they didn't have breakfast. Maybe they had a fight about their clothes. We had a girl last week that came to school and she was just mad. And I had to kind of rip and peel her from the mother. And uh, I I just held her down. She was standing, but I had my arms around her. And I just said, sweetie, it looks like you are so frustrated today. What happened? And she's like, I didn't want to wear these clothes today, but I couldn't find any clothes that worked for me. And I just thought to myself, wow. That's what the problem is. It's not that she didn't want to come to school. It's not that she hated school or hated her mom. It was all about clothing, right? And so at that moment, we had that connection. And that was easier for us to not go down that rabbit hole 
because I knew it wasn't about school, right? And so we have to attribute that positive intent that it's not necessarily about us most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back to that grace you were talking about. Right. Offering grace to them. We want grace when we make mistakes or get angry. Amen. It's true. Sometimes we become focused on changing or understanding the other person, but how is it also important to be authentic to our own feelings to benefit the process? Yes, right. Sometimes I think we get so um, focused on that person, right? And, you know, I've tried years, ladies, to change poodles into pugs. And, and I can't, right? And I can't. And Becky Bailey has one that's helped me to understand. I can't change anybody. I can only change myself, right? And so recognizing that helps me to go into this question, Sierra, that you're talking about, is my feelings do count, right? And so my feelings count as well as somebody else's. But I think it's easier for me when I'm in conflict with a child to be able to say, buddy, I get it. I know you don't, you don't want to come in from recess today because it is fun outside, right? But part of my job is to keep you safe. I know you're frustrated because I've been frustrated too, right? And so I think that when we're in that conflict, it really does help children to understand that we get it. And I think those feelings of, yeah, I'm frustrated too because you won't come in, right? And I think being able to say that, we're missing stuff on the inside because we're out here on the outside, dude. So I'm a little frustrated and you're a little frustrated and we can both not be frustrated if we can go inside, right? And so giving um, space maybe for helping the one that we're in conflict with to understand that we've been there, maybe we're in it right now, right? And so I think we have to help children recognize that we have feelings as well. And we've been there and probably done that same thing. I love using that. Like you're talking about before, it's a teaching moment when there's that conflict and you can use your own past as part of that teaching. That's powerful. Because teaching doesn't happen when we're just going along in life and enjoying each other, right? Mm -hmm. We're just building more of a relationship. And so that teaching has to happen quick in order for, well, if we haven't built the relationship, then it might not be a quick, quick, right? And so um, we don't want to do a slow, 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 right? <laughs> because then, it is, then I think it will affect the relationship negatively. So we don't want to undo all that we've done mm-hmm. by taking too long to have that teaching moment. And then when we get into that conflict, how do we, how do we turn it into a teaching? I know you talk about the reflecting, the see, hear, feel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's a tool. How, how does that help? How does that create that teaching moment? You guys, this is so beautiful when you watch it in action. Sometimes I'll watch my teachers or I'll be in the middle of it and I'm just like, whew, God (laughs) is good, right? Because I get frustrated as a teacher, as a human, right? And so being able to be in that conflict, it helps me to focus back on that. What am I, what am I reflecting, right? What is that child reflecting? So last week we had a child that, um, got really frustrated at another child and and punched him in the nose. And I was in my office and I could hear some wailing. So I ran outside and saw blood and I asked the teachers to take care of the victim, so to speak, so that I could go find the child that had had done it. And as soon as he made eye contact with me, he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, right? He felt bad, right? But I knew in that moment, this was the conflict, right? Mm -hmm. We had spent eight weeks developing a relationship, but this was the moment of teaching. And so I went to find him and he ran off and I said, sweetie, you are not in trouble. 
I can tell that you are frustrated because you're crying, your arms are folded tight, and you are trying to get away from me. I get it. But I said, I'm not here. We just have got to take care of the little boy. And he's like, I know, but I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, I know you're sorry because I can hear it, but we've got to go take care of him to make sure he's okay, right? So reflecting back what you're seeing, your arms are folded, your eyebrows are crunched, you're crying, what you're hearing. I can hear that you're sorry because you're saying that you're sorry, but we've got to do more than that, right? Yeah. Because kids this age don't understand moral development. That doesn't mm-hmm. come on until age seven or eight. So we have to help them and helping them is going and what can I do to make you feel better, right? And he was very cute as we calmed down and we practiced what we were going to say. He walked in and he said, are you doing okay? And I said, remember what we promise, what we practice. And he said, oh, yeah, um, what can I do to help me help you feel better? So he didn't get it <laughs> quite right, right? But he got the concept that I need to check on him. And so as I reflected back, he was able to then calm and move forward. And at that point, we're back in a healthy relationship. Yeah. So reflecting and talking about what they're feeling, what you're seeing and what you're hearing helps them to take a deep breath, so to speak. How does that work in like adult, adult, like adult to adult relationships? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it feels like for children, we're like, oh, like we can say all these things and they'll listen and embrace it. And, and what does it look like when it's you and me, like if you and I were upset, how would, how would that look? Right. I, th- I think, Joanne, that we, um, we tend to, um, we train people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yes. Right? <laughs> and so sometimes we have to think through, even though this isn't a child, I'm obviously in conflict with this, right? And so I have to say, I can see that I've hurt your feelings. I can see that I've made you angry. I can see that you're upset with me because your arms are folded, right? And you won't look at me. And so we can still call those same things out. We just do it a little bit. um, I don't know if softer might be the word, but I do think that we have to use the same principle, but treat it a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and, and say, you know, I, I hung up on the phone the other day to somebody who was yelling at me, who was a friend of mine. And I said, I am, I would love to talk to you when we're both in a better space, right? And so I don't think that was a bad thing because um, we weren't getting anywhere in the conflict. Yeah. And we'd forgotten about that healthy relationship. And so the next day we were able to pick up where we left off. And so it, it might look a little different for us as adults, but I think the principle is still the same. I love that. I love that it works all ages. You bet. You That's bet. perfect. Can I read you a little story in this book about yes. how this kind of all happened? And this is, which book is so this? So the book is uh, Easy to Love, Difficult to Discipline, The Seven Basic Skills for Turning Conflict into Cooperation. And it's by Becky Bailey. But we're talking about this discipline two-step. And this is a mother who is trying to do her job, right, as a parent. <laughs> and so the, uh, the vignette is called Get in Your Car Seat. Martha felt harried. She was 10 minutes behind schedule. And her three-year-old child, Gary, had been singing a chorus of no's all morning. Lately, the car seat had been an issue, and Martha was apprehensive. She thought, I don't have time for this, not this morning. Martha was in knots, but she finally decided to take hold of herself. I love the fact that she's taking hold of herself and not the child. Yes. She's recognizing that this is her issue. Breathe, she commanded herself. You must relax. Remember, discipline yourself first, and then your children second. You're already late, but don't panic. The more you hurry, Gary, the more trouble he gives you. 
Focus on what you want, Martha. You can do it. Keep breathing. All is well. The moment is as it is. I love that she's using these seven powers that Becky Bailey talks about in this book to calm herself first. Out loud, Martha calmly said, it's time to go. Get in your car seat. Gary ignored her. Martha continued, you have a choice. Do you want me to lift you up so you can open the door? Or do you want me to open it for you? Which is a great parenting skill, right? Give them the choice. But they have to be choices we can live with. Yes. (laughs) Gary ran toward the call yelling, me do it, me do it. When Martha reached the car, she started to pick him up to open the door. He pushed her arm away and collapsed to the ground with his hip protruding and arms folded. Martha thought, oh no, here we go again, but stopped short and said to herself, I know what to do. Reflect what you see. She said, Gary, your arms are crossed and your lip is quivering. She demonstrates his position. Your body is telling me I wanted to do it myself. Gary made eye contact and seemed to relax. Boom, right? When you were a baby, I carried you in my arms like this. And she showed him. I used to put you in your car seat, opens the door to show him. Now you can do it yourself. Climb in and hook it up. I will watch you. Gary slowly got up, his body still slightly tense. Martha said to herself, have faith, stay calm. (laughs) Gary climbed in, pulled the bell over his head and buckled up. Martha exclaimed, you did it. You climbed in and put your seatbelt on yourself. Martha jumped into the car and drove off, late but fairly calm as Gary started singing. I love that vignette because it focuses on what the adult needs to be doing. We sometimes anticipate that children come to earth having all kinds of skills that they don't have. And this is one of those skills, right? But as an adult, we should be practicing that skill so that then we can take the lead and teach that child. Yeah. I love that. Using our own example makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. I know that one common use in parenting is using fear to end Mm -hmm. conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, How can we use love as the foundation instead? You know, it's way easier to use fear, isn't it? It's it's easy, and um, but we don't always feel better after we've used it. Many times we use fear because it's what was used on us as a child. It's in our CD-ROM. It's in our brain. And so it comes up quickly. These new things um, may not come up as quickly. We always, you know, use the saying, well, I'm so, I'm so becoming my mother or I, oh, my dad totally did that, right? <laughs> and we kind of laugh at that. But in reality, sometimes I have to remind myself, was this a good thing that my parents did, right? Because if it is, I want to keep on doing it. But if something I need to change, I've got to rewind my CD-ROM and do something different. And so I was talking to a parent today in the booth, and uh, her child had um, been roughhousing on the couch. And as he turned a flip, he knocked off her candle warmer. And she said, the first thing I wanted to say out of my mouth was, but she said, I kept hearing you in my brain saying, take a deep breath. She said, I did. I took a deep breath and said, oh, Looks like we have a problem. How are we going to solve it? And the little boy, he, he already knew what he had done was a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. He's already on himself because he's like, oh, no, right? He knew. And so us coming at them again to make them feel what? More guilty? Scare them? It's not going to solve the problem, right? And so as we think about that, I just, I love the fact that she said, I heard you in my brain. And I just said, take a deep breath. She said, the moment I took a breath, I wasn't wanting to spank him or do something differently, right? And so one of the things that I love about that is if we don't stop to take a breath, we're going to react. And most of the time we react in a negative fashion. Yeah. But if we take the stop, if we take the time to stop, we call it star in the classroom, stop, take a deep breath, 
and relax. And sometimes the parents will report that they hear their kids doing this at home, right? And so it's another skill that we use to help children recognize, okay, wait a minute, I'm in conflict. What do I do? And so as we stop, then we're going to respond instead of react, right? And so I can't change the moment. Becky Bailey talks a lot about the moment is as it is. I can't change the fact that he just broke my favorite candle burner. They're expensive. But I can change what's going to happen next. And so she said, after she took the breath, she said, hmm, we have a problem, buddy. What are we going to do to solve this? And she had him help clean up. And so I think there again, that could have gone south pretty easily if we had turned to fear, right? But rather she turned to love, recognizing he didn't mean to do this, right? And I said, let's have a little chat about what we could do differently next time that this happens. So I think it's about recognizing that we don't have to use fear. There is a better way. I often think of Jesus, right? And how there are commandments, but I never feel like, well, I always feel like he's typically offering me grace, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always, you know, it's, it's a little bit, um, sometimes people say, you know, say, what would Jesus do? You know, but I often talk about that in the classroom. And I say, what would Jesus do? If he was here in this classroom with these kids, how would he react? And I think that, Sierra, going back to your question, he would react with love. Yeah, I think we see that in where he tells them, first person without sin to cast the first stone. Before he does that, he like kneels down in the sand and he's mindful. When that was an easy time to get into a conflict. Yeah, Yeah, because he, to me, he was taking a deep breath, right? They thought he wasn't listening, but he was actually listening. He was Mm -hmm. just taking time to think, how do I respond to this? He probably already knew how to respond because he's perfect. <laughs> but I think it was a good example for us to right. recognize, yeah, I need to sit, draw a line, and then respond. Mm-hmm. And that's what allows the teaching moments to occur. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of brought up how you can't change the moment, but we do have, we know that this helps long term. And so how, you know, we can't change the moment, but how is it affecting the long term? What happens the next time? How is it working? Well, I think specifically for this uh, little boy that we see um, in the classroom. We know his contextual factors. We know what's happening kind of at home with his family. We know how he responds to certain things. And so as we continue to build these factors, to me, we're helping with that relationship, right? As we connect with him, as we understand where he's coming from, I think that healthy relationship is being built And that doesn't mean we're not going to have the quick, quick part, right? So we continually have that quick, quick part, but it gets fewer and far between because of the healthy relationship. And I think if you look at any of your relationships, ladies, in your life with your roommates, with your sisters, with your parents, it really does strengthen the relationship when you spend time, when you find connections with people, right? One of the things that in parenting, people will say to me, you know, he's kind of driving me crazy. How can I help her, you know, through this conflict? And I'll say to them, what kind of time have you been spending with them? And they're like, well, there's no time. I don't have time to spend, right? But as as soon as they decide they have 15 minutes, right, folding the laundry, something that you can do together, then it helps the relationship, right? So that that slow, slow part. And so one of the things that I think we have to do more of is think about, are we building the relationship? Because the conflict is going to happen, Mm -hmm. right? And so focus on building the relationship and then you're going to see the long term because your your quick, quick part isn't going to be as often 
as we're working on the slow, slow part. Well, and I love the word connection. And I happen to know that in your class, you have a little thing that you do and you make a connection with people. And right. and I love that. I love that, you know, I hear kids and they'll say, oh, we have a connection and they'll yeah. hear something random. And I think that's wonderful. And and why why did you start that? Why is that? Part of it, there's, there's a twofold thing, you know, with four-year-olds, they always, because they're ego-centered developmentally, right? They always have a connection. I have a dog too. I have a dog. I have a dog. I have a dog, right? And so part of it was a management to try to help them understand that other people are talking as well. So we take the ASL sign for me too, right? So it's your pinky and your thumb and you just go towards me and you. So it's me too is what it actually means. That's cool. So now the kids are like, and they don't say anything. They just start waving their hands back and forth, right? <laughs> and so it's a lovely thing, I think, to connect with people because when we connect with people, we're more often offering grace or empathy. And I think that builds that base of the slow, slow dance, right? And so any connections that we can make, I think it just, it just helps us with that piece of it. I love that. I feel like it would also be helpful when we do slip up and make mistakes in our resolving conflict because they know they already have that connection there. Right. And that they're, they've felt that love before and they're like, might offer you grace as well. Right. You guys will probably remember this, but I can't remember the exact quote, but you know, I don't remember what my teacher taught me, but I remember how my teacher made me feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the same thing with parenting. I think that there's so many times that we get frustrated at our children, at our spouse, And yet, there's so many good times that happen in between those times, right? And so, if we can focus on those good parts, I I guess it's a glass half full versus half empty. It's the mother that comes home and she's looking at all the dirty clothes and and we're mirroring, right? And so, if we see the dirty clothes, are we going to lash out that nobody has taken care of the dirty clothes? Are we going to notice the relationships that are in the house, right? Somebody's reading a book. Somebody's on the phone with a friend. Somebody's cooking dinner, right? And so what are we focusing on? Becky Bailey talks about that. She says, what we focus on, we get more of. And so I think as we focus on relationships and connections, we're going to get more of that. And I know kids love to see their parent noticing the good things they're doing yes. too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Having like a balance of both positive and negative. Right, exactly. Another question is, how can we better connect in our own relationships to actually utilize this model in our daily lives? Well, first of all, I think we should all know how to stop, take a deep breath, and relax, right? And we make fun of that as adults. But when I see children putting that into, into practice, uh, we've been talking about the power of yet in our classroom this past week. And um, if you haven't read the book called The Magical Yet, it's you should. wonderful. <laughs> yes. But it talks about as adults and as children, there are always going to be things that we cannot do. We have to practice. We have to get better. Bluey is one of my favorite videos to watch, uh, the bike episode on the power of yet. And I think that what you're, ta- what you're asking, Sierra, is that we have to figure out how to work on ourselves before we work on anybody else, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to figure out how to star, right? And whatever that looks like in your own life. But how do you stop reacting and figure out how to respond, right, to ourselves And being able to, like right now, um, I've been on this little health kick journey. Well, it's not a little, it's a big health kick journey. (laughs) And one of the things that I have to give myself grace and empathy with is the fact that if I eat something, if I went over my calories or whatever, I have to stop and say, you know what? Maybe tomorrow. Oh, shucks. Maybe tomorrow, right? That's another skill we try to teach the children. And so 
as I do that to myself, I'm generally more willing to do that with others, right? And so we have to work on ourselves first, give us that response, and then that offers space for empathy and understanding with others. And then I think, again, we've talked about connections, right? As we connect with people better and on a more frequent basis, right? It, this builds up that slow, slow part of the dance so that when the conflict does arise, right, we can respond more with love instead of that fear that we talked about earlier. Wow. I feel like I've just learned so much oh, yeah. <laughs> and I could talk about this all day. Is there anything that you want to add that you just would love to share? Well, I just think that we all have... We all have opportunities, but we have to be aware of those opportunities, right? I'm reading a book now uh, called, um, oh, and I can't remember what it is, but it's by Virginia Pierce, and it's about having an open heart, a heart like his, that's what it's called. And it's about having an open heart, and, and it's about this experiment that these women went on, and they didn't want to do anything new. They just wanted to like have a more open heart. And this is the second time I've read this book. And every time I think about this, it connects back to conscious discipline because it really is about where is our heart focused, right? Mm -hmm. If our heart is focused on fear, gosh, I got that, right? I can mm -hmm. be pretty scary. But if my heart is focused on love and a little bit more open and I can feel it, like when people ask me something, just in my response, I can feel whether my heart is a little more open or a little more closed by how I feel, right? So I have to take that moment to say, wait a minute, open my heart, open my heart, mm -hmm. right? And not be irritated, not be offended, not be whatever with that. And so I really do think that this all comes back to our outlook and whether or not we want to do better. Because we all can. We all have the power within us to do better. It's just being aware of that, making a conscious choice. I love that. The awareness, being conscious, remembering what's yeah. important. Mindfulness. Right. Yeah. Looking inward so that you can go outward. In right. a Christ-like way. Yeah. yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you for joining us Thank today. Thank you so delightful. much. Yes, we've loved it. And we hope that you as listeners have learned something as well. Be sure to follow this podcast for another episode. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.